Amen. My, uh, I am. I had the uh, opportunity yesterday uh, to uh, spend some time at my nephew's wedding. Uh, we left about 11 o'clock in the morning, got back around 10 o'clock at night. Uh, it's quite the day. Well, I don't know about that. Part of the setup and breakdown. Jackie had the uh, dessert table, which uh, looked pretty incredible. But uh, I did want to start off by thanking Matt. I thought he did an incredible job this morning with our communion. I really appreciate the uh, passage out of Ezekiel. I think, uh, as usual, the Holy Spirit's working. I think you'll see that as we kind of pr- progress into the message this morning. One of, one of the things I want to talk about a little bit today is names. Uh, you know, it was interesting yesterday, uh, my nephew, Joseph Brown, he married his fiance, he became Jennifer Brown. Uh, how many of you guys know what your name actually means? Any of you out there? Most of you. Uh, Stephen means crown. Uh, you know, there's that association with uh, royalty. I know my wife would uh, claim I can be a royal. You can fill in the blank from time to time. Uh, you know, it, it kind of happens. I'm glad I'm not named by the American Indians because as of late I'd probably have some challenges with that. I mean, you know, they have these incredible names uh, that reference, you know, yeah, just things that are strong or fast, whether it be a cougar or a bear or whatever. And as of late, I'd probably be referred to as the uh, mighty blind bat. I've been having issues with my eyesight, which maybe would give me, uh, was part of the reason that would explain the next name that I would warrant, which is uh, Chief Falling Rock. Um, I was on my way out to the car uh, earlier in the week, and my daughter gives me a bad time about this, but I tend to do everything a little fast, and I was, you know, kind of at a hot half trot, almost run, and I hit that last step at the end of our pathway, and, you know, I tried to figure it out this morning. I'm looking at the uh, step. It's maybe a little bit taller than most, but I took the step, and I don't know what happened, but I just launched, and, uh, you know, palm prints in the concrete, hit my knees. Fortunately, uh as Matt was uh, talking about earlier, I protected this incredible, awesome face of mine. <laughs> I, I, I'm speaking from a standpoint of confidence. <laughs> but anyway, um, with that, it was interesting. I did spend a little bit of time on the Internet, just looking at uh, looking up some names. And the top 100, there was only maybe about five or six I could even use in a crowd like this. And these are... Real names, some of which people were born with. Others are names which, uh, you know, they have them changed. They're on their driver's license. But, uh, I mean, are, are we, you know, this is an actual name for real Superman Wheaton. Now, we know Wheaton's a Superman, right? Sorry, Wheaton, you can't use this one. It's already taken. Uh, GoldenPalace.com Silverman. And, you know, I don't know if the, uh, the family members that gave this girl the name was intentional, just from a standpoint of, I found out later on that she had actually, uh, the parents sold the rights to her name to, I guess, the casino she was named after. They made 15000 bucks on that transaction. And then uh, I knew about Moon Zappa. I'd never heard about Diva Thin Muffin Pigeon Zappa. Frank's got some issues, right? Or maybe it's his wife, I don't know. And then there's this one, Espen Malachi McCall. Now, it's, well, it's pronounced Espen. I just want to let you know, they, they did give the pronunciation there. I, I realize it's ESPN, so maybe this means sports messenger. I, I, don't, I don't know. And then uh, this one's rather interesting. 
any of you teens like this? Captain Fantastic, faster than Superman, Spider-Man, Batman, Wolverine, Hulk, and the Flash combined. And no, this wasn't Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory. Although, if he could, this is one he probably snagged so he can one-up his uh, competition there, the other buddies that he lives with. So, you know, really, what's in a name, though? And uh, kind of kicking off our series, as you heard, our series for the remainder of the month is He Shall Be Called. This morning, what we're going to be looking at is the first portion of that, which comes out of Isaiah 9, in verse 6, which reads, For us, to us, a child is born... To us the Son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, within the Hebrew, there's no punctuation. So, as to whether Wonderful is separate from Counselor, Mighty is separate from God, I don't know. But what I'm taking on this morning is Wonderful Counselor. And I thought it would be good for us to kind of break down the definition of Wonderful and Counselor. You can see here, the definition of wonderful is exciting. Exciting wonder, marvelous, astonishing, usually good, admirable. Some of the synonyms are amazing, astonishing, astounding, awesome, eye-opening, fabulous, miraculous, staggering, stunning, stupendous, surprising, marvelous, wondrous. So, wonderful, kind of cool. It's wonderful, right? I mean, there's a lot of great things that are associated with it. And then we have counselor, which is, you know... Pretty basic person who gives advice. But then when you couple it with wonderful, and I think as you see this morning with what God has given us, it really is amazing. And ultimately, as this passage starts out, it talks about how a child is given to us, a son is given. And, you know, understanding as we, we head into this time of year, Christmas is obviously about gifts. And this is an incredible gift that we receive from God. Definition of gift, something voluntary transferred by one person to another without compensation. So as we study out Wonderful Counselor this morning, I think what it's going to do is it's going to enable us to relate to God and understand the incredible gift that He has given us freely, even though we don't deserve it. You know, when it comes to uh, a Wonderful Counselor, I think in, in light of what it is that we have taking place in our lives today, a lot of things that uh, I contend to think would make us a little insecure. You know, we look at what's going on in the world today. You know, I remember growing up as a kid, uh, the, the wonderful drills that we used to have, I'm not quite sure looking back at them, how significant they were or who they were kidding when it came to, uh, you know, we had the uh, air raid drills in case we got bombed, with, hit with a nuclear bomb, and, you know, it was that whole tuck and duck under the table thing when the sirens, we'd actually, you guys may not, may not realize this, may not believe it, we used to have air raid drills once a month. They would actually blast the... Uh, Air raid, they had uh, these, I don't even know what you would call them, I guess, air raid sirens all across town. And it was really kind of an ominous, scary sound. You know, when it first would kick in, it's like, whoa, is this the real deal? Or, you know. But I think we went through a period of time of peace where things seemed to be just really incredible. I mean, I look back at the 80s growing up, there wasn't a whole lot of strife, weren't a whole lot of issues. And then we look at what's taking place today. I mean, the Middle East is a hotbed. I mean, there's the concerns of nuclear war. You got the Syrian government going after the Syrian people. There's this whole threat of saffron gas being used. And, and then we've got our economy. I mean, there's so many things to be stressed out about, so many things to be anxious about. So I think it's really appropriate today that we have this opportunity to look 
at who and what this wonderful counselor is that the scripture talks about. You know, we've got a lot of people looking for answers today. And when it comes to those answers, the thing that's kind of scary is there are a lot of competing voices out there. Who do you go to? Who do you listen to? You know, we can have financial advisors. We can have spiritual advisors. There's Scientology. There's New Age. There's Islam. There's Buddhism. There's all these things. You know, there's all the talk show hosts, all the different aspects of the media that try to help us to believe that they've got the answers. You know, I think if that was the case, we wouldn't be looking at a world that's in the condition it is today. You know, we look at wonderful. The Hebrew translation of wonderful signifies something indescribably great, something so tremendous, something so amazing, that it's literally beyond description. And isn't that what we have in God? You know, we have a, a promise here out of the book of Isaiah that came from 750 years before the birth of Christ. The scriptures tell us that Jesus, and they refer to Jesus as the wonderful counselor. And, you know, I think with that, it doesn't mean that Jesus is just good at giving advice. But I think ultimately what it gets down to, and this is where we've got to really be surrendered, is he is the Son of God. He was there at the beginning, the creation, as was the wonderful counselor, the Holy Spirit. And knowing that we have this presence, it's not this, this ethereal kind of gas out there floating around. It's a person. It's a Him. The wonderful Counselor is with us each and every aspect of our lives. You know, just even thinking that through, when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to Jesus, it's just not a matter of it being good advice. It needs to be the very thing that guides every aspect of our lives each and every day. You know, Jesus can't be confused. He can't give misinformation. He can't be wrong. He's always right. He always knows what's best for us. In John 16, verse 7, it reads, I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. This is Jesus speaking here. He says, unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I have much more to say to you than you can now bear. But when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. You know, again, the wonderful counsel of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing what we have here in this passage. You know, it's kind of interesting. You look at the situation with the apostles. Their walk with Christ. I mean, they, they had him firsthand. They could touch him. They hung out with him. They ate together. They laughed together. And yet Jesus is telling them, you know what, guys? I've got to leave. I've got to go. But think back to the definition we just looked at this morning of wonderful. And this is what Jesus is trying to describe to them that is yet to come. And unless he goes, they won't have it. They won't have what comes along with that spirit. You know, we, we talk a lot about... You know, obviously Matthew 20, 18 through 20, we know that you need to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there's those three entities. But really, when we think about it, how much time do we actually think and connect with the wonderful Counselor? Pray to God, pray to Jesus. You know, we've got these three aspects of this relationship with God, yet we're only practicing about two-thirds of it. I think really understanding, again, what the Israelites... We're being told that it was to come, 
And obviously, even what Jesus was trying to convey to his guys, how important this period of time would be, what would need to take place, and this gift that would be available to everyone. You know, it's when we, look, again, look at what's going on in society today and the different challenges that are out there, this is something that should really ease our minds and, and give us that peace that Christ talked about and we hear about in the epistles. And that we have the Father God who is above us, we have the Son of God who is beside us, we have the wonderful Counselor, the Spirit of God, who is within us. You know, this morning my goal is real simple. I want to convince you to look to Christ and to the Bible first, whenever you need guidance, whenever you need advice, whenever you need counsel. I want to convince you of two things here this morning. I want to persuade you, first, that God is the source of all wisdom. You know, all wisdom, not just theoretical or abstract but everyday practical wisdom that we can apply to our lives in every situation, everything that we're involved with. Number two, that we have access to that wisdom through Jesus Christ and through His Spirit. You know, in the New Testament, the word wonderful seems to be replaced by the word amazed. People were constantly amazed by Jesus Christ and, and what He did. You know, and that astonishment became because ultimately when we looked at Jesus, did Jesus have any limitations? He had absolutely no limitations. You know, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And with that, he brought fresh power of God in a lot of ways that it had been, it would become a distant memory for the people of his day. He brought fresh teaching of God that had become stale. He brought fresh grace of God that had been replaced by a bunch of rules and regulations that were established by the religious community. And as we can see here... This is the kind of impact that he had. This is the, the again, Jesus Christ and looking to the Holy Spirit, the wonderful counselor, the amazement that took place because of this. Matthew 7, verse 28, people were amazed at his new and powerful teaching. Matthew 20, or 8, 27, they were amazed that the winds and the waves obeyed him. And as we go through these, they were amazed at who he was. They were amazed at his ability to heal. They were amazed that demons obeyed him. They were amazed that a fig tree actually listen to him. You know, what else he said? That's amazing. It's incredible the things that Jesus accomplished as he walked on this planet. They were amazed at the paralyzed, paralyzed bodies that didn't function. All of a sudden, we're working again. And then, obviously, his guys were pretty darn amazed when he came walking out to them on water. And this is what they had through Christ. With that, let's, let's go back to the prophecies that took place 750 years before the advent of Christ. And, you know, just as we have challenging times now, it's one of the things about this planet that doesn't change a whole lot. The Israelites were experiencing some pretty challenging times as well. In Isaiah 8, what we see in this passage, we're going to start in verse 19, is that people are people. They're rejecting God's ways. And instead of listening and paying attention to what God established, they were walking in darkness again. And with that, people were in anguish. They were in despair. They were stressed out. They were waiting for this enemy to attack them, the Assyrians. You know, we think about that fear. Why were they afraid? And was it because they had this enemy poised on the outside of their gates looking to take them down? I don't think that was the case at all. I think it was, be, it was they were afraid because they had lo totally lost sight of God. I mean, had God not delivered them over and over and over again? 
And with that deliverance, would there be any reason to really fear if their eyes were on God, if their eyes were on Christ? When it comes to just our walk today, is there really that need for fear? And ultimately what it tells me is when I slip into that mode, it's because I'm not where I need to be relationally with God, or as Matt even talked about today, you know, you lose sight, you get stale, you forget. And that's what the condition of the people were at this point in time. You know, the days of God's nearness were gone. What they viewed as being the best days were gone. The days of God's great works were gone. The days of God's glory in their life was gone. And I know one of the things that can take place for me from time to time, too, is the days where passages from the Bible brought comfort are gone. You know, in their desperation, who did they turn to? Well, let's take a look at that in Isaiah 8, verse 9. It says, someone may say to you, let's ask the mediums and those who consult the spirits of the dead. With their whisperings and mutterings, they'll tell us what to do. But shouldn't people ask God for guidance? Should the living seek guidance from the dead? I mean, it's pretty deep here when you think about it. I mean, what were they relying on? What kind of, what kind of input or interaction can you get from the dead that'll be teachings? People who contradict his word are completely in the dark. They will go from one place to another, weary and hungry. And because they are hungry, they will rage and curse the king and their god. They will look up to heaven and down at the earth, but wherever they look, they will be in trouble and anguish and dark despair. They will be thrown out into darkness. Now here we see they're looking for answers, but ultimately where were they looking? You know, they, they continue to dive further and further into darkness and hopelessness. And, you know, it's, it's kind of the same thing today. They're relying on mediums. I mean, we've got palm readers. You know, we've got Madame Chloe with her astrological charts. But who ultimately are we relying on today? And, you know, it's, it's amazing how, you know, we can be praying for certain things, but the heart isn't necessarily where it needs to be behind it. Before we know it, we're cursing God as well. You know, God, I've done this for you. God, I've done that for you. Why, why aren't you coming through for me? Why aren't you taking care of me? And losing sight of the bigger picture and what we really have through Jesus Christ and the gift of salvation that comes through him. You know, it's interesting, verse 20, God says, what do they need to do? All they needed to do was to look to his teaching and to his instruction. God has all wisdom. God has all the answers. He understands each and every one of us personally. You know why? He made us. I mean, who better to know us than the actual individual that created us? I think this is where we really need to, to start is really coming to a deeper understanding of what God represents to us, what Jesus represents to us, but at the same time, who walks with us at our side daily, which is the wonderful counselor. You know, the next several verses in Isaiah indicate that God was, what he was going to do, and that it was going to be something new, and it was going to be something significant. And these are the exact words many people are in need of hearing today, if we listen. Isaiah 9, verse 2. You know, it talked about those sitting in darkness. In verse 2 it says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. A light that will shine on all who live in the land where death casts its shadow. You know, it talked about the despair that they were in and they would be replaced by joy. In verse 3 it says, Israel again will be great. And as people rejoice, as people rejoice at harvest time, they will shout with joy like warriors dividing the plunder. 
And, you know, the, the enemies that they were faced with, and we're, we're dealing with similar situations on multiple fronts today. There's all kinds of things that can come after us. Our finances, our health, so many different issues that Satan will use to try and distract us. And then in verse 4, it says that the enemy's power will be broken. It says, For God will break the chains that bind his people and the whip that scourges them, just as he did when he destroyed the army of Midian. And then finally in verse 6, And then Isaiah says that this will all be fulfilled because of what? The birth of a baby who will be named Jesus Christ. You know, when you think through this, all the different things that they were faced with and all the things that we have to deal with on a, a daily basis, can Jesus really do all that? Can Jesus really be all that? That's one of the things I appreciate about the book of Isaiah. It's, uh, it's been a book that I've been spending a lot of time in lately, and it's just amazing what God talked about, what God promised, how Isaiah the prophet was used to remind people of what was ahead of them if they would really go back after that relationship with God, you know, the greatness of God. And when it gets down to life, I think just really understanding that life apart from Jesus is meaningless, clueless, exhausting, empty, and dark. Now, that was my life before I became a Christian. I, I remember, you know, I've shared it before, being asked that question, what's your purpose in life? And just feeling so lost and empty. And, and realizing that as a husband, I was doing an appalling job. As a, as a parent, I, I was really clueless. And that was because my walk wasn't in accordance with what God established. The guy that made me, the guy that, that knows exactly what I need when it comes to my marriage, when it comes to my parenting, when it comes to relationships, and how clueless and meaningless that life is without him. Just really understanding, coming to that understanding is as going through the scriptures, in particular light and darkness, taking a look at Galatians 5 and Mark 7, these different passages that talk about sin, and realizing that because of that sin, I was separated from God. And that there was no light, there was no hope. But having had the opportunity to be ushered into the kingdom through Christ, understanding the changes that take place once you receive the wonderful counselor, the Holy Spirit. You know, really understanding that it is a transformation of something where we are changed forever. Really knowing that if you really have become a true Christian, a true disciple, you're different than you were before. You know, I look at the situation with certain things in my life that I tried to overcome. One of the, one of the most challenging ones for me personally was my mouth. And it didn't matter what I did, the foul language continued to come, after, come out of it. And then being in a position where I was seeing my kids using it as well was just, it was frustrating, it was discouraging. And you would think that that would have been enough motivation in and of itself, but it took way more than that. And now knowing through Christ that that transformation is complete, you know, I think you really need to ask yourselves today, if you're not different, if there's not that kind of a contrast, if people can't see a difference in you, then prior to becoming a Christian, there's one or two things going on. You've got to ask yourself, did you become a Christian in accordance with Scripture? And if so, are you walking in step with a wonderful counselor? Because if we are, either one of those, if it's a yes to having been baptized into Christ and receiving the Holy Spirit, and there isn't that transformation, if people can't see what's going on, the issue is you're not walking in accordance with the Spirit. The Word isn't something that has power in your life. 
Because God gives us all we need through Christ and the Scriptures to change our lives. Amen? You know, when it comes to the wonderful counselor, counseling today is at an all-time high in our society. You know, we have the likes of Dr. Phil and Dr. Drew, and I think we've got to be careful as believers that we don't lose sight of who the ultimate counselor is, which is the Holy Spirit. We have that through Christ. We have that through the Word. Not that it doesn't mean that there isn't a need for additional help, but you know what? Where do we need to start first? We've got to start first with God. We've got to start first with the Scriptures. We've got to walk in accordance with what He has established. And it's amazing when we do that, the things that we can overcome in life. John 16, verse 13, says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you in all truth. And then in Proverbs 15, verse 22, it says, Refuse good advice and watch your plans fail. Take good counsel and watch them succeed. You know, it's amazing. I know I've had this. There's been points in time in my life where, as a Christian, how many of you received advice from another disciple? Most of us? How many of us do well with that advice 100% of the time? How many of us are willing to take that advice 100% of the time? And I know that this, this represents a challenge for me for me from time to time, and that rather than looking to the scriptures that maybe are used, and you know, it doesn't even necessarily need to be scriptures, it can be biblical advice without the passage, verse, the whole bit used. Now, you're, you're wiser if you're trying to give advice to actually have people turn to it. Because I know one of the things that I can take issue with sometimes is any of you ever have a personality conflict with anybody? And, you know, it's amazing. You know, I mean, you'll sit there and it's like, I don't like the way that guy brushed his hair today. I ain't listening to him. I don't like the color of his shirt. I ain't listening to him. And, you know, and here's the thing. Didn't God use a donkey to communicate to Balaam at some point in time in the Scriptures? And if God can use a donkey, and I'm not making any, you know, equivalencies here. I'm being used this morning, prayerfully, and that's not what I'm being equated to. But, you know, it really doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter who the person is. And, you know, I think another thing that we can do, too, is we can sometimes look and say, well, you know what, dude, I don't think you got this on all that straight yourself, so who the heck are you talking to me? <laughs> we, need to, we need to understand why. I mean, I don't know about you, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a confrontational kind of guy. I hate confrontation. Some of you ain't buying it, it's the truth. That's my wife. You know, it's one of those transformation things that takes place in the Holy Spirit. But I, I do realize the, the need for input. I appreciate Andy Wingy. Just last week, we were sitting down with the Wingies, and, uh, you know, Jackie and I, some of you guys know us, we can kind of stir it up with each other a little bit. Okay. And, and with that, you know, I mean, for years I blamed it on being Italian. I mean, you know, it, ultimately it's a cop-out. It, it is a major cop-out. Uh, it, it's who my sinful nature is. I get worked up. I can get passionate. I can say and do stupid things. And uh, Andy just, you know, he's, bro, can I ask you something? Because I, I know that you guys are doing okay. I mean, we've been around you guys long enough to kind of figure out, you know, this is kind of part of your communication. Because, you know, it, it, it can be off-putting to people. 
I'm like, you know, you're right. I really appreciate the Wingies. I mean, I appreciate so many of you. I mean, I, there are so many people who have come into our lives, and, you know, and I keep inviting people to, you know, call me out on things, and more and more of you doing it. And I, <laughs> I, I am appreciative. Maybe not so much in the moment, but, and, and that's just it. We need to all be there. We all need to have that humility to realize, you know what, our kids can bring things to our attention. I mean, we got a couple, I'm not going to name names, but I love this. I mean, this is one of my favorite things in the world. When you get together with a couple for D-time, and one of the kids will say across the table to the parent, did you guys talk to Steve and Jackie about that situation? <laughs> and, you know, out about the babes, I mean, it's awesome. They realize it's great to see that for those of us that have those kinds of close relationships, guess what? Our kids know there's a need for advice. Our kids know there's a need for discipling. And our kids will be able to make that transition into the kingdom that much more so when they see this going on. And they realize, you know what? We're not walking it alone. We're walking with each other. And we're walking with a wonderful counselor. Amen? So, you know, when someone gives you good advice, take it. Seek out godly advice. Find a fellow Christian who is wise, who's living a life that honors God. Ask them what they think. Ask two or three strong disciples. Seek out wise counsel. The church is here to help you be successful and to love God. And I think it's really understanding that God can use other believers to speak to you if you're willing to listen. You know, that's one of the things I love about the uh, wonderful counselor, the Holy Spirit. All knowledge of the past, present, and future, of all things, of all purposes and plans, belong to Him. He even knows what's in our hearts. You know, it's amazing. You, you look at it, you think about it today, kings, presidents, politicians, they all have their advisors. And we have one available to us as well that we can go to, the one that created them all. And I think really understanding that everyone needs a counselor. We all need the counsel of Christ. And think about what that means, that Jesus is a counselor. He can be your counselor. He can be your advisor always. He knows the depths of science. He made the atom. You know, the atom awaits his order every day in relationship to what it does. He knows the depths of creation. He knows exactly how big the sun needed to be, how hot it needed to be, how far from the earth it needed to be so that we would be warm and not freeze to death, but at the same time, not get microwaved. I mean, it's awesome that you just look at what's been established for us. It's absolutely incredible. He knows the depths of truth. He is the truth. Truth is unchanging and unwavering and never plays favorites. Truth doesn't care how you feel about it. It just stands and works and cannot be defied. You know, even if the government outlawed truth, what does it change? Absolutely nothing. He knows the depths of time, the past, present, and future. He's there already. And he knows the depth of our human condition. He knows about our weaknesses because he experienced them personally. You know, one of the things I love about Christ is his counsel is so outstanding that his joy for us that embrace it in a hostile world. It's peace in the midst of storms. It's ageless and timeless, and it always works 100% of the time. You know, he'll be known to his people as a wonderful counselor, our friend, and our Savior. And in 1 Corinthians 9, let me, let me back up here, sorry about that. <laughs> Even my fingers are Italian. 
Talking with my hands, my fingers are dancing all over the remote. Okay. First Corinthians 2, verse 9. It says, however, as this is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived, but God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even in the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, amen, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths and spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgment about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ? That's almost overwhelming to me. I mean, we think about that for a moment. Each and every one of us has the mind of Christ. You know, we've seen it with, with Jesus' disciples. I mean, there were points in time where Jesus would say stuff, and they'd scratch their heads and be like, dude, what are you talking about? I, I am not getting this. And then he'd break it out in a few more parables. And, you know, they had problems seeing his perspective. We know that Peter took issues with Christ. You know, and Jesus had to kind of set him straight and let him know that his were thoughts of men, not of God, when it came to rebuking Jesus for the death that Christ claimed that he was going to go to and did go to. And again, Scripture says that God's mind is so deep that, you know, we'll never get to the bottom of it. God's mind is so complete that His plan is perfect. And it's so important for us to embrace this concept because God may be doing something today that won't bear fruit for 50 years. And if we really are relying on that counsel, that guidance, if it doesn't happen today, tomorrow, the next day, we're not going to stress out. You know why? We know he's, he's with us. He's walking with us. And really understanding that there's no alternative. There's no substitute. There's no one that can compare to him. Spirit dwells in the mind. And we have the ability as Christians, through his word, to set our minds on the spirit. It's through the spirit we have the mind of Christ. Now, you may be asking yourself, okay, well, how do I go about setting my mind on the spirit? Well, we do this by setting our minds on the Spirit through His direction to the apostles of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus told His disciples that He would send them this wonderful counselor, this Holy Spirit. Let's go to John 14, verse 23. You want to set your mind on the Spirit? Jesus gives us direction on how we can do it. In verse 23, Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching." My Father will love Him, and we will come to Him and make our home with Him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. You know, I've never really noticed a part of this passage before, but it's pretty black and white here. Love equals obedience, and obedience equals relationship. 
Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him. And this is really incredible. Just the plurality here. It says, and we will come to him and make our home with him. That's God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. What an incredible relationship we're promised. But it comes with conditions. Holy Spirit isn't working in your life right now. You need to ask yourself, how obedient to God are you today? How obedient to God's teachings are you today? The flip side of that equation is no love, no obedience, no relationship. I mean, it's cut and dry. You know, when the Spirit speaks, Christ speaks to us. And we're led by the Spirit when we follow His direction that was revealed by the Spirit to His apostles. You know, where do we find His Word? Bible? You think about the situation with, with Jesus and his guys. How successful was their ministry when they walked with Jesus? A few hundred people? I mean, ultimately, wasn't that what it was? A few hundred people? How successful was their ministry after Jesus left? Why do you think that was? He told them, i got to leave. I'm going to be gone, but I'm not going to leave you alone. There's something greater than me coming. The wonderful counselor, the Holy Spirit. And here's the difference. Christ being born into a human body was finite. He couldn't be all places at all times. But what happens when each and every one of us received that Holy Spirit? Why was there an explosion after Acts 2? In the first century church. Peter took direction. He listened to Jesus, waited on the Holy Spirit, received the Spirit, and preached one of the most incredible messages probably ever preached to man. And we see the results of that. Thousands of people committed themselves to Christ and were baptized and received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you know, was that Peter's plan? We well, know what Peter's plan was. He went back to fishing. You know, was it their plan to be persecuted? And, and go out and spread the gospel to all nations? It wasn't their plan. That was the Holy Spirit's plan. And you look time and time and time again at all the incredible things that took place. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Was that Philip's plan? No. That was a wonderful counselor's plan. And we know another nation was influenced because of that. And time and time again through the book of Acts, this is the impact. It was amazing. And that same exact thing can transpire with us today. Because those of us that have been baptized into Christ, what do we have? We can walk in step with the wonderful Counselor. Each and every hour of each and every day. Now, teens, you guys deal with a little stress from time to time? You know, you got this thing called parents? I, I can still relate to that one. I'm 54. Um... Got this thing called school? Don't have that anymore. Well, it's school of hard knocks, but not what you guys are dealing with with homework. And those things can kind of take its toll a little bit, right? You know, for those of you that don't see the need for Christ, hopefully you'll understand that, you know, you don't have to do it alone. Just surrender. Walk it with Christ. You'll get that peace that I know so many of you are looking for. And it's amazing today. Singles, same thing, right? Issues in the workplace, issues with co-workers, issues with friends. Most of you still got parents to deal with too, right? There's issues everywhere we look, but we don't have to walk it alone. God knows that. 
God realized that. God promised it through Isaiah the prophet. Jesus promised it to His guys. And we are living proof that if we walk with the Spirit, incredible things can take place. And we can have life to the full in this life. This is what I'm really encouraged about, even the way God set this up. In Acts 2.38, Peter replied to the people who were cut to the heart after hearing this message preached about Jesus Christ, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, at this time of year, in light of the uh, current economy, this is awesome. You don't need a bank account. Don't need a credit card. Don't need an ATM card. For those of you doing your stuff online, don't need Bill Me Later or PayPal. All you need is repentance. And it's something that anyone can do. And it even gets better. It's available to everyone. It's not at Target. It's not at Walmart. It's not at Nordstrom. Thank God it's not at Neiman Marcus. Needless markup. Nor is it online. It's available in H2O. See, with repentance and water, we each receive our own personal counselor. And just kind of in closing, please, please listen to me, brothers and sisters, congregation. This is really important. You've got to ask yourselves this morning as you sit here, have you received the gift of the wonderful counselor, the Holy Spirit? If not, if you're visiting here with us, pull someone aside. We have a connection table in the back. You can get someone to kind of point you in the right direction so you can get connected and you're not walking it alone. For those of you that have been baptized into Christ and received the Holy Spirit, I think a couple of things you've got to ask yourself. Am I reading my Bible daily to seek the counsel and advice of the Holy Spirit for the daily decisions of my life? And then finally, am I connected to other believers that have the counselor? So when there's a challenge in my life, I feel comfortable asking them for advice. See, those are the only things that Satan can really come after us with. We've got daily decisions, and we can decide to do it with God or without. We do it without God. You know, you may fake yourself out from time to time and actually do okay. But eventually there will come a point in time you're going to be just like those Israelites that we saw in Isaiah 8, where they're in the darkness. They, they, they've given up hope. And I think it's one of the things that's so key for us to have relationships with in this group as well, and have a mutual respect for each other, because you know why? You need to. You're not just respecting a person, you're respecting a person that has the Holy Spirit residing within them. Isn't that even a a more important reason to respect one another? So I think just thinking that through, you know, we've been given an incredible gift that doesn't need a warranty. And if we accept it and we remember it, it will take care of us not only in this life, but for eternity. Amen? God bless.